Here's the truth. I hear this gospel and I bristle. My jaw begins to clench. This is one of those passages that has been used in ways that have hurt a great many people. Used as justification for coercive and sometimes even violent evangelism. If Jesus is telling the first disciples that he will make them fish for people, then perhaps it's no surprise that scores and scores of evangelists since that first pronouncement have treated people outside the bounds of the, of the church community as fish to be caught, even against their will. Now, to be clear, I am all for sharing the good news, for giving witness to it, offering it up, proclaiming it. But hooking people for Jesus? Hooks are not good for people. They're not good for fish. Snagging them in nets? This is not the stuff of life. Not for the one who's caught. But what if this use of the metaphor aimed at catching people is not the point, even as it's been employed for so long? When I come to these perplexing and troubling parts of the Bible, one of the questions I often return to is simply, what do we know about Jesus? What did he teach? What did he consistently try to enact? This is the man who came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. This is God who came among us to heal and feed and reconcile. So what if there's another way in? What if Jesus is saying, if what Jesus is saying here is not so much about who these fishermen will catch, but who they will continue to be? I want to let that question linger here and introduce you to three people in turn, to, to offer you glimpses of their lives. First, Steve. Steve is in his 60s and works at a college cafe. It's not a glamorous job. Mostly he works the register and restocks the shelves with prepackaged food. But if you wait in line at a busy hour, you begin to notice a pattern. Even when, when the line snakes all the way to the back of the cafe, Steve is exceedingly patient. More than that, he is kind. He reaches beyond the normal pleasantries to connect. He inquires sincerely about the students' days. He offers specific encouragement to those whose stress is plainly visible. He jokes 
with the regulars. It seems simple, and yet the way he infuses his work with profound kindness reverberates across the campus. It's so noteworthy that when students refer to Steve by first name only, it is immediately known who they are talking about. To be honest, I don't know how he spends the rest of his time. But I do know that every day as he shows up to work at that register, he does so with abundant and generous love. Here's another glimpse. Professor Grantham is petite and weathered. One might think her weak until she opens her mouth and begins to teach. She's teaching a room full of freshmen in their required intro to writing course. And she is exacting as she leads them in unpacking essays and novels. And she does not hold back in, in challenging them in their own attempts at writing. But the class is not merely on the ideals of prose. Through these conversations, she, she poses startlingly frank questions that insist on the dignity of all people. She leads the young students in self-examination, unearthing their experiences of privilege and bias. And she shares her own honest reflections about her life. Class by class, Grantham shows that words are a powerful tool in reshaping the world. In so many ways, she's, she's limited by the structure of this context. She has just 10 weeks with each class. She has to cover the mandated syllabus. And within those constraints, she points her students towards a more just world. She helps them imagine how they might help to bring it into being. One more glimpse. Camp Stevens is the Episcopal camp down in the San Diego mountains. And around this time last year, they were beginning to prepare for a huge fundraiser in support of a local wilderness preserve. It's going to be this, this huge dinner. And so they planted lots of extra produce in their gardens in preparation for the event, and in addition to the bounty that they grow each year for their regular meals. The seedlings were up before anyone had really heard about this coronavirus thing, and they were thriving by the time our world ground to a halt. But the plants, of course, continued. The problem was that there were no guests to eat them. Lori, the camp's chef, was puzzling this problem with another staff member when it occurred to her. No, they couldn't provide meals on site, but they could absolutely still get that food to people who needed it. 
And so the camp staff sprang into action, reaching out to the wider community and harvesting the produce and baking bread and granola and cookies as, as sort of a hearty bonus to include. They put it all together in makeshift CSA boxes, passing on the abundance of the camp to those who were hungry. And they kept doing it, making more and more boxes and passing them on until everything had been harvested and shared. There were countless things this camp could not change for their community. The rising unemployment there, the isolation, the spreading illness. But, but Lori knew that they had a garden and they had a kitchen and Together, they knew how to bring goodness out of both. This is what I believe Jesus is talking about when he tells those first followers that they will be fishers of people. The call to follow is one that urges us to become even more fully who God has made us to be in the context God has placed us to serve the people and the creation that we find there. I think Jesus is recognizing that these first disciples are fishermen and saying that they will remain fishermen. They know the water intimately. They've, they've learned in their bodies what it takes to wait patiently, to work hard, Maybe most importantly, they, they have practiced how to mend. They are still to be fishermen. But now their attention and their energy is to be harnessed in service of people and of God. They do not leave their former selves behind. No, they, they have to bring all of that and put it to good use as they follow Jesus into this kingdom work. This is how we also are called, as Jesus invites us to follow in our own day. You don't have to be someone else or be somewhere else before you can serve God. We're called to, to be more fully ourselves and to offer that work towards the vision of the kingdom which is breaking in right here and right now. So who are you? What are you doing? God will work with anything we bring. Are you staying in your home virtually all the time? Do this towards the kingdom. Are you spending countless hours on Zoom, day after day after day? This also, maybe incredibly, can be lived for God, even as it can drain us. Are you parenting? Are you caregiving? Are you gardening? Are you holding your leaders accountable? Are you nursing or fixing pipes and, and leaky fence, or fixing leaky pipes and mending fences or, or combing through spreadsheets? Are you cooking meals? Whatever your life consists of, 
do it towards the kingdom for the good of all people. You are not called to be someone else. You are called to follow as your own self, living ever towards the kingdom of God and for the good of all people. May God give us the strength and the will to make it so.